not something you really want to think about. But at some stage, we all shuffle off this mortal coil, kick the bucket, pop our clogs, keel over, stop breathing. Well, die, basically. And it can lead to all sorts of legal questions. To help us through some of them, our visiting lawyer, Andrew Andreev from Andreev Derman Lawyers. Andrew, welcome back. Nice to see you again. Thank you. One three hundred triple two eight nine one. If you've got a question for Andrew this afternoon, it's always a highly emotional time when someone dies. But legally, things can be quite complicated as well. So I guess the first yep. question is: At what stage in life should you get a will? Well, it it, it really um, all stages of life. It, once you've got to the stage where you've got children, that's really for most people the kick off time to think about wills because even if your asset base is relatively low. Um, you've got children to think about. You need to make a decision and actually put down on paper who you want to be looking after those children. And then as you go through life, you might accumulate assets and various things happen and, and you've got more things to deal with. Um, so that's another sort of stage. And then finally, I guess, when you get closer to that time, um, it's probably you know uh, more real. And, and so really any time after you've got children, uh, that's really a good time to think about it. Ron is asking us, what's the cheapest but still most effective way of getting a will made up? Because you see these legal will kits. Sure. I think they're about 20 bucks yep. at post yep. offices and places like that. Yep. Are they just as good as, as seeing a lawyer? Um, look, I'm going to say no. Um, but Surprise me. You're <laughs> yeah, a lawyer. That surprises <laughs> you. But uh, look, I, I, my personal view is that um, something is better than nothing. And then that's really where it starts. And then as you get an appreciation for the issues, um, you can decide how much it's worth investing to to make sure that what you want to happen um, happens. And that, that's that's really it. So, um, yes, it, there's what's the cheapest? Um, it really depends on what you want to achieve. If you just want a document that simply says who's going to get your assets and who's going to administer your affairs after you've died, then it could be a relatively inexpensive process. What but, are we talking about for something like that? Well, I mean, literally, you know, from a, from a will kit, I guess, but, you know, from some $20 onwards. But really, if you want somebody, if you want that professional input and ultimately to save you money down the track as far as when you, when you have passed on, that's when the real costs sort of come back and, and level out in the sense that if you save money up front and you don't receive the advice about properly dealing with your affairs and properly setting it up to be administered, then down the track, that's when you'll end up potentially, or your beneficiaries will potentially end up paying more uh, to sort things out and make sure things happen. What does happen if you die and you don't have a will? How are things divvied up? And is there is there a pecking order once the authorities step in in terms of the relatives that might get priority over the house, the car, whatever shares you may have? Yeah, there certainly is, yeah. So a lot of people say, you know, do I need a will at all? Um, I guess that's a, that's sort of a, a first stage. If people elect not to have a will or they don't end up having a valid will, uh, then they die intestate, which basically means you know they don't have a will and you then fall back onto legislation. And that's when the legislation will govern who gets your assets in what proportions and who will actually step up and be responsible for making sure it all happens. So there is a pecking order and it really depends on your personal circumstances, what assets you've got, how they're held, and also what relatives you've got. So as a starting point, if you've got a spouse, then um, the assets will go to the spouse. If you've got a spouse and children, then they'll be divvied up between the spouse and the child with the spouse getting a lump sum of $100,000 to start with and then sharing it with the children. And then it sort of goes down in tiers as far as if you don't have a spouse and it gets split between the children. If the children aren't there, it goes to grandchildren, etc. then to parents and siblings. So this is all prescribed in law effectively? That's right, yeah. So um, there's there's legislation that, that cover those, covers those things. So that's, that's sort of one of the two aspects. That's the aspect of who gets the assets. And then the other aspect is who's going to step up and make sure that happens. So um, the same, and there's similar sort of tiers. So your spouse or your children or your parents or your siblings can then step up and administer, which means they have to go to court 
or make an application to the probate registry. They have to ask for what's called letters of administration, which gives them the authority to then go and deal with the banks, to deal with the share registries, to deal with the LTO as far as transferring the property and those sort of things. It's a quarter to five now on 891 Drive with Michael Smith. We're talking to our visiting lawyer, Andrew Andreev. If you have a question for him about wills, dying, some tricks of the trade, one three hundred triple two eight nine one is the number to call. Happy to take your calls this afternoon, or you can send us a text, of course, 0467-922-891. Speaking of texts, one here, Andrew, what advice do you give to someone who is single, childless, and an only child of elderly parents? Well, the, the default is going to be that it will their, their estate will end up with their parents, um, and in default of that, siblings, and in default of that, then sort of wider issue. Ultimately, if there are no relatives, as that's defined in legislation, then it will end up with the government. So... Um, what the advice I'd be giving is saying, well, okay, you know, what do you want to achieve? And often with people who don't have family or maybe not close family or no you know, family in Australia is maybe it's an opportunity to take the time to benefit a charitable organisation mm. and actually make, you know, achieve something, um, you know, after you're dead that, that you might not have um, had the money or the... Uh, the idea of it going do, into yeah. general revenue would be a nightmare for most people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we hear some dreadful stories of, of the sort of division that appears within families when it comes to executing a will. Typically, how long does that take to do? And have you got any tips on, on streamlining that and, and, and minimising that stress and, and that division? Yeah, well, there's a process that needs to be gone through when someone dies. And it you know, really starts, I guess, from, from the day of death, uh, few, uh, sort of through to... Um, what's usually sort of a six-month or you know, four- to six-month process. Um, so the advice that I'd give people if they want to make things easier for people you know, after the event is to just put some basic things in place, like have a will and tell your executors where your will is so they can find it, so there's not the stress of, oh, did they have one, is this the last one, etc. Um, have, if you're really organised, have a, a list or keep a list of your assets and liabilities, your passwords for your computers and those sort of things, and have it stored in a central place so that when someone basically steps into your shoes and starts administering your estate, you've really made the whole process very straightforward for them. Jane has a question for you, Andrew. Hello, Jane. You with us, Jane? No, may have gone lost in the ether. So what is probate? We often hear that term in relation sure. to people dying in the execution of wills. What does that mean? Well, probate's the, the first formal step in administering someone's estate after they've died. So it, it only applies if you have a will, so you, you get a grant of probate of a will. And it's a process where you go to the Supreme Court or a division of the Supreme Court, the probate registry, and you say, this is the, the last will. Um, these, this is the death certificate to prove that this will is now something that needs to be considered. Uh, these are the assets of the deceased and these are the liabilities of the deceased. And then what the court does is looks at that, makes sure that there's nothing unusual about it, and then they issue what's called a grant of probate. And that's an official document that the Supreme Court's saying, this is the last will, this, these are the directions, and this is the person or the persons who are responsible for now administering the estate. So you can then take that document along to the LTO, to the bank, wherever it might be, and actually start as I say, stepping into the shoes uh, of, of the deceased person. John's wondering via our text line if there's a problem with leaving more to one child than another. I guess if you have specific instructions in the will, that's fine, is it? Oh, look, it's fine as far as your ability to do that. Um, certainly, uh, you know, the, the, the starting presumption is, is you can do what you like. Um, unfortunately, there's, or fortunately, depending on how you see it, um, there's some social policy that's put some fetters on that discretion. So basically, um, there's a piece of legislation that says, if somebody thinks that they haven't been adequately provided for, 
they can then apply to the court and say, and effectively what's called you know, challenge a will, mm. and say, look, I don't think I've been adequately provided for. And then in that case, the court will then step in and say, look, at, okay, you might have given one to more, more to one child than the other. And if the court's satisfied that that's fair and reasonable and that you've made provision, adequate provision for the person who's received less, then that's the end of it. But it's, there is a, a process for review. So yes, you can do it, but you need to be aware that when you do it, um, you've made adequate provision for all of the people who could potentially benefit. It gets potentially very messy with a lot of tears along the way. Andrew, thanks does, for coming indeed. in. We'll catch you in a couple of weeks. Great. Thanks uh, visiting lawyer Andrew Andreev from Andreev Doman Lawyers.